Welcome to the Chronify Podcast. This is Ben Miller. Today's episode is about how we should think about the recent stock market slide. Before we get to that, if you're enjoying the podcast, please do subscribe. And if you're downright loving it, sign up for Chronify. The first month is free, no credit card required. It'd be great to have you on board. Now let's get to the episode. Today's episode is titled The Market Downturn and You. Head for the hills, the everything bubble is popping. Or... Stocks are on sale. Now's the time to buy. The breathless hot takes on what's going on in the market are full of exasperation on both sides. Some might justify their opinions based on the cyclically adjusted price-to-earnings ratios. Others on market psychology. But does it really matter? I'm convinced that 200 years from now, humans will watch holographic documentaries of this era that'll paint a pretty unflattering picture. In the 2000s version of this scene, a throng of people nervously huddles around a shop window, watching a bunch of inverted red triangles make their way across the chyron at the bottom of the TV screen, while a newscaster provides his expert hot take on what's happening. Today's version is a bit more pathetic. In this version, a dejected 30-something sits on his couch in his boxer shorts, one hand in a bag of Doritos, the other mindlessly refreshing his brokerage account on his phone. Like it or not, we all crave action. In the same way that people love to talk about the greatest play of the Super Bowl, or more likely the greatest ad, what's going on in the markets is a shared cultural event that everyone is expected to monitor. America's greatest spectator pastime has slowly transitioned from baseball or football to the stock market. Worse yet, corporations have rushed in to make it not just a spectator sport. Under the banner of democratizing finance, tech companies have eagerly wet their beaks. In the old days, only subpar professional investors had the opportunity to get fleeced by Wall Street's A-team. Now you can too. And who can blame the under-35 crowd for eagerly rushing in? The most powerful financial forces in the world have nobly stepped in to stabilize the system whenever there's trouble on the horizon. But when the system's stability entails your economic lack of opportunity, is that really a good thing? For example, look at the way we handled the pandemic. We told people to stay home and funded the economic downturn by printing money. But when you look at the fine print, the government directed a disproportionate share of those resources, paid for by our kids, toward maintaining the existing allocation of capital. Let me explain. In a society where our pandemic response included paycheck protection program loans that were injected to save small businesses, it's important to ask who that measure actually served. In a society that's been facing increasing inequality, the government stepped in to put its finger on the scale in favor of, drumroll, the people that already owned businesses. In doing so, what we saw was the relief experienced by the older generations who got to retain their investments. What we didn't see was the fact that we bypassed a generational opportunity for young people to pick up assets for dimes on the dollar. In the name of stability, we saw an opportunity to stem the tide of the ridiculous and unprecedented concentration of wealth among the older generations and quietly opted in favor of the status quo. Is it any wonder that the younger generations are gagging for opportunities to create their own speculative asset classes so that they can at least have some chance at a substantial increase in their wealth? Let's pump the brakes. Please note, these comments don't come from the right or from the left. They come as an explanation of why the behavior of the stock market has become such a spectacle. 
when everyone and their granddaughter is speculatively engaged in the stock market, what it does understandably eats up a lot of our attention. So that leads us to ask, should we care? If you just irrevocably retired in December of 2021 and left yourself no margin of safety for decreasing consumption in the face of a market downturn, then yes, you should care. In fact, you may need to go back to work. For almost everyone else, this should be water under the bridge. Don't believe me? Keep listening. So here comes objection number one, approaching voluntary retirement. If you're just about to retire, a 20% downturn is an immediate 20% downward shock to your expected standard of living during retirement. If that 20% downward shock makes your lifestyle unenjoyable, then you should plan on working longer. If the thought of working longer is unpalatable to you, then you've been in the wrong career. Take this opportunity to get a job that pays less that you actually like, and then you won't be beholden to the whims of the market to bail you out of a bad situation. Or for objection number two, excessive risk. If you borrowed money to buy stocks, the market downturn is magnified for you. Likewise, if you've been investing money in the stock market that was intended to be spent soon, suddenly it feels like your bank account just got smaller, because it effectively did. This is all the more reason to make sure you don't invest more money than you can afford to lose. And for most of us, borrowed money is money we can't afford to lose. The most powerful force in investing is time, because that's the medium through which compounding operates. But to take advantage of time, you have to financially survive. Don't put yourself at risk of getting wiped out. That restarts the compounding clock, which can be devastating to your long-term returns. Objection number three, career entanglement. If you work at a company that's indexed or levered to the level of the stock market, then the amount of revenue that company pulls in is, to a large degree, dependent on how the stock market is doing. If the stock market tanks, your job might go away. If you're in a job like that, then a large part of your financial outcome comes from sources outside your control. That type of job should come with a meaningful risk premium in the form of higher wages. If it does, you should do what you can to save that risk premium diligently, preparing for the day that the music stops. If it doesn't, here's your golden opportunity to find another job that provides better value for you, likely with severance in hand while you do so. Objection number four, approaching involuntary retirement. If you work a job that you simply cannot do indefinitely, and you were depending on the stock market to just barely give you a comfortable retirement, then this bear market is genuinely scary. This is why it's important to build in a margin of safety. The future is inherently uncertain, so pretending that you know exactly what will happen in the future is dancing too close to the fire. It's your responsibility to build in a margin of safety when planning for the future. For example, you could decrease your safe withdrawal rate. You could live in a home that has a spare room that can be rented out if needed. You could disregard social security benefits and be pleasantly surprised if and when they arrive. You could solve for having enough to live forever instead of solving for running out of money not a day later than your current life expectancy. Whatever you do, just leave a buffer to protect yourself against the unexpected. Now a note on opportunities. For most of the past decade and a half, many people have anxiously watched as they've gotten rich, but others around them have gotten even richer. A game that was characterized by four-letter acronyms like ZERP, or Zero Interest Rate Policy, TINA, There Is No Alternative, YOLO, you only live once, and HODL, hold on for dear life, made it seem like the only smart move was to be as fully invested as possible. 
It now seems as if we're entering a regime where we cannot take this for granted. The ugly specter of inflation stalks around the edges, limiting the tools with which our leaders can rescue the economy. However, as anyone who has taken an introductory economics course can tell you, equilibrium is the enemy of profits. At equilibrium, competition drives profits to zero. Put another way, the disruption of the erstwhile equilibrium that seems to be in the offing will create immense opportunities for those who are willing to participate in the creation of the new economic order, and all the new businesses that will bring that to fruition. For those of you who have dry powder, whether monetary or intellectual, a great chance to put it to use could be right around the corner. Here are a handful of lessons we can pull from this situation. Number one, don't get out over your skis. Invest early and often, but don't invest so much that you put at risk your ability to keep compounding doing its magical work for you. Number two, structure a path to retirement that's sustainable and enjoyable. That way, if you have to work longer than anticipated, it's not a big deal. Three, build in a margin for error. Protect yourself from the uncertainty of the future by assuming things will be worse than expected, and then be pleasantly surprised when they come out as expected, or okay if they don't. 4. Keep an emergency fund. That way you're better able to respond to unexpected events from a position of strength. Peace of mind is a luxury. And 5. Keep some dry powder. The temptation to seek maximum return is strong, but some of the best economic opportunities are born of calamity. Put yourself in a position where you may be able to benefit from those opportunities. As the stock market's against the ropes and your plans look like they may need revision, remember the following. You are alive for yet one more glorious day on this earth. Watch the leaves as the wind blows through the trees. Listen to the laughter of children as they play in their backyard. They don't care about the stock market. And if you structure your life the right way, you don't need to either.